Welcome to A Word for the Wilderness. We pray that this episode will bring to you a word of encouragement as you walk through the wilderness of life. May your spirits be lifted and your souls fed as God's Word is proclaimed today. Now, here's your hosts, Joe Motes and Jonathan Bosby. Happy Easter, everybody. Welcome to A Word for the Wilderness. It is Easter weekend, April 16th, and we're excited to come to you today with a special Easter episode. Jonathan, what are you doing for Easter today? Easter today, I'm going to open up the Easter eggs, play with them, get the candies up, play with them, eat as much as candies I can. Come on, brother. That's what I'm going to do, get some food. Whenever we had those Easter egg hunts back at home and back at the church and things like that, we always look for that golden egg. You know, they always said, you got that golden egg and it's got Uh money in there. And we're thinking like, oh man, like $5, $10, $15, brother. It was always a blessing to open that golden egg up and there's $1 in it. Wow. $1. All of that work. Little is much, man. God is in it. Anyway, happy (laughs) Easter, everybody. We're excited about the episode today. we got a special guest. We're going to introduce him in a minute. But first of all, let's talk about Easter. I thank God for Easter. You know what? Easter is more than just uh, about bunnies. It's it's more than just about, uh, you you know, candy and and chocolate bunnies and, and Easter egg hunts and nice dresses and cool ties that... You don't right, like, brother. Right, yeah. yeah. Pink tie. Okay. No pink ties, Joe. See, this. See, we could we could spend all day talking about this. I don't We're know not. pink. Guys, he has a pink tie. And it, I mean, I don't know. It doesn't see, look good. I'm just confident enough and manly enough, confident in my masculinity. That's what they all say, Fred. Yeah, that's what you all say. Well, you don't that's say because you're say. not confident in your masculinity. That's ma- what they all brother, say. Brother, this is about <laughs> the resurrection. Yeah. <laughs> Quit getting me sidetracked, Happy brother. Easter, everybody. <laughs> anyway, well, so, I'm kidding about that. But it's more than just about those things. I'm right? glad... And that's, that's how the world sees it. That's how the world views it. That's how the world pictures it. But praise God for those of us that have been saved and born again and washed in the blood. Amen. Down in the Lamb's Book of Amen. Life. It means, hallelujah, our Savior lives. Our, right. I love the song, right. because He lives. I can, I can face, face tomorrow. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's stop singing. I was reading earlier today a a story behind an Easter song. And, and once I start reading the lyrics, you'll recognize it. But the first verse goes like this. I serve a risen Savior. Wow. He's in the world today. I know that he is living, mm-hmm. whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. That song was written in 1933. Wow. I remember wow. that. I was there. I remember Did you know that. that was my favorite song? Really? That is my favorite song. Really? I, I yep. didn't know that. That is. That is. Well, I love that song. brother. You want a cookie? Well, I wish I could take it. Well, you got some Chick-fil-A for me here. Oh, Thank yeah, you so much. Oh, yeah, we do. Praise the Lord for that. That song was written by Alfred Ackley, a musician and a preacher, uh, written there in 1933. Now, at the time, Ackley, let, let me just read this to you really. Ackley was challenged by a young student who was confused as to why Christians worshipped someone who had died centuries mm-hmm. earlier. Now, Ackley responded like this. He said, he said this. He said, he lives. I tell you, he's not dead but lives here and now. Jesus Christ is more alive today than ever before. Mm -hmm. I can prove it by my own experience as well as the testimony of countless thousands. Now, Ackley, fueled by the students' questions, wrote these popular lyrics. His refrain is joyous, reminding us all that Jesus rose from the dead as promised, and he remains alive today in the heart of every believer. Here's the chorus. He lives... He lives. he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me. Thank God for that. And he talks with me a long life's narrow way. He lives. He lives salvation to impart. And here's what I like. You, you ask, ask me, me how, how, 
I know he lives. It's because he lives within within my heart. heart. Thank God we serve a risen Savior. Well, we're excited to have this special guest today. I'm so appreciative of this preacher that we have on the podcast today. And we've been privileged to have a lot of great guests on here. But I'm especially excited about the one today. I'm telling you, he's great. I'd like to have him on in, in a few episodes later, just so we can do an interview with him and get to know more about him. But ladies and gentlemen, all the way from down the hall, <laughs> here is Brother Bircham. Well, it's good to be with you today on the uh, broadcast. And uh, they asked me to say a few words about Easter. Easter is one of the um, premier highlights of the year. Uh, two great events that we mark on the calendar that have to do with the Christian faith. One is Christmas, and that is that he came. And then, of course, Easter. And at Easter, we remember that Christ not only came, but that he died and rose again and lives victorious. And it's because of those two things that we have hope. Had Christ not come, there would be no hope. And had not, not Christ been crucified for our sins, but of course been raised again the third day, there would be no hope. And so these two things give us hope. And I'm interested today in connection with the Easter story. I'm, I'm interested in um, what I have called a glorious sight. I'm interested in what Mary saw on that first Easter morning. I want to read a couple of verses from John chapter number 20. And, of course, we know the story. Jesus has been raised from the dead, and uh, Mary and the other ladies come while it's yet dark, and and, uh, they see the stone rolled away, and they don't know what to think about it. And, of course, Peter and John come, and they look in, and then they leave. We come to verse number 11 of John chapter 20. The Bible says, But Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher, and seeth two angels in white sitting one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Now, as we consider that little statement, as Mary looked in, now we have to remind ourselves that Mary's eyes are blurred by the tears. She's weeping. Her heart is broken. And in the midst of her sorrow, she stoops down and she looks into the sepulcher. Now, that word sepulcher is interesting because it actually comes from a root word that means remembrance. And that's literally what a sepulcher is. It's a place where we remember a loved one who once was a part of our life, and what? They have left this life, they slipped into eternity, and we take that shell that remains behind and we bury it in a cemetery, and and we call that place a, a tombstone or a sepulcher, and that is a place of remembrance. We remember the experiences that we've had with them. And as Mary looks into this place of remembrance, Mary sees more than she realizes. And sometimes we can look at things, but it's not until we take a second look or a third look that we realize what we've been missing all along. And as Mary looks into this sepulcher, we see very clearly described what she beheld. The Bible says, she seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head, the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Well, now there's another place in Scripture that we're reminded where we see two angels facing each other. It's over in the book of Exodus, chapter number 25, in conjunction with that tabernacle. And the Lord said this in Exodus 25, 17, And thou shalt make a mercy seat of pure gold, two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half uh, the width, uh, the breadth thereof, and thou shalt make two cherubims of gold, 
and the two ends of the mercy seat, and make one cherub on the one end, the other cherub on the other end, and the cherubim shall stretch forth their wings on high, covering the mercy seat with their wings, and their faces shall look one to another. And really what Mary sees, she looks in, is she sees a almost a replica, a reappearance of this mercy seat within the tabernacle. Now, that mercy seat was important because at that mercy seat, several things happened. Number one, there was atonement for sin. If we were to go back to Leviticus chapter number 16, which of course is the great chapter about the day of atonement and all that transpired there and what the high priest was required to do and the order that it uh, took place in, we could see several things in that chapter. We know that, uh, first of all, sin is identified. In fact, there are three words in Leviticus 16.21 that are specifically used to address the sins of the people. He calls them iniquities, he calls them transgressions, and then he calls them sins. And these identify the failures of mankind. Well, as a result of these sins, there was a problem. There was separation. Isaiah put it this way, your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And because of sin, man is separated from God. But aren't you glad that God always has a solution? And God's solution in Leviticus chapter 16 was a sacrificial substitute. We read in verse number 15, Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people, and shall bring his blood within the veil, and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat, and he shall make an atonement because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of their transgressions and all their sins. And so there was a remedy, a solution that God had. So it was there at the mercy seat that we find there was an atonement for sin. But as a result of this atonement for sin, it was also at this mercy seat that the Almighty was satisfied. Exodus chapter 25, verse number 22 the Lord said this, and there will I meet with thee, and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat. You see, God's plan has never followed. God's process has never changed. When the word is followed and the work was finished, then the Almighty was satisfied. In fact, over there in that chapter in Leviticus chapter 16 and verse number 30, the Lord said this, on that day shall the priest make an atonement for you to cleanse you that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. You see, that sin that had once separated them, now because of the sacrifice that had been made, uh, because of the blood that had been shed, now there was an atonement made and there could be reconciliation because the Almighty was now satisfied. And as a result, acceptance was secured. Now fellowship had been restored, a breach had been mended. Once more, this relationship had been put back together. And today on Easter, as we look into the place of remembrance, we don't look into a sepulcher, but rather we look into the scriptures. That's our place of remembrance. And as we look into the place of remembrance, we behold our mercy seat, Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul said in Romans chapter 3 and verses 24 and 25, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set before to be a propitiation. That's the same word as mercy seat, whom God has set forth to be a mercy seat through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins. John would say in 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 2, speaking of Christ, and he is the propitiation, he is the mercy seat for our sins. 
And in Christ, there is atonement for sin. And in Christ, the Almighty is satisfied. And in Christ, acceptance is secured. And today, you may be without hope. You may be without help. You may be without happiness. But the good news is, when Mary looked in, she realized that mercy was alive and well. He had got up from there and walked away. Because mercy is alive and well, sin is not fatal. Mm -hmm. Life is not futile. Death is not final. And the grave is not forever. He lives, and because he lives, we shall also live. Oh, praise the Lord for that. Thank you so much, Brother Bersham. Didn't you enjoy that? Thank you so much for listening. Jonathan, wasn't that wonderful? It was great. I wish you and I could preach like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was wonderful. Praise the Lord for a risen Savior. Because of that, we have a message to preach. And uh, praise the Lord for that. Well, folks, thank you so much for listening today. I hope you have a wonderful day today and a great Easter tomorrow. Celebrate it with your friends and your family. Go to church tomorrow. What a, what a great way to celebrate Easter, celebrate a risen Savior, than to go to church, to church. and worship. Right. Right. But more than yep. that, take a few moments and thank the Lord for uh, coming, dying on the cross, leaving everything he did, and ultimately, three days later, raising from the dead, defeating death, hell, and the grave. Well, God bless you, folks. Thank you again for listening today. Tune in again next week to A Word for the Wilderness. And Jonathan? Trust God and do good, do good until next time. <laughs> I always mess up. You do. Always. You it's do. not incomplete. Well, trust God and do good, friends. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. God Happy Easter. You, oh, go ahead, brother. What would you say? Happy Easter. Oh, friend. yeah, that's what I was going to say, too. Happy <laughs> Thank you for listening to A Word for the Wilderness. Be sure to subscribe and tune in wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook to stay up to date with what's happening at A Word for the Wilderness.